amazing. It's incredible, the emphasis on prayer that we've had this morning. And if you're a visitor here this morning, what I want to do, I'm going to give something about the journey of where we are in Emmanuel, but with universal principles that you can apply, hopefully, in your own situation. Now, this is not the sermon I had prepared. That comes at a later date. In fact, it'll come so late that all the students will be on holiday. Ah, uh, so dis- they can see the disappointment upon their faces. But I was very much challenged uh, last weekend, uh, prophetically prompted, shall we say. And it's all to do with this title here about being spirit-filled and led, the title of our new series. And it's one thing to come up with a title. It's one thing to have something that sounds quite snappy. But we don't simply want that to be a slogan or a theological approach to things or a theological belief. We want that to be a reality in our experience as a community of faith. And at least John's with us anyway. So that's... And Chris. Go on, I'll give you Chris as well. And it's so easy to say that we are charismatic, but then weirdly not be open to the Spirit. Because we view being charismatic as a particular form of doing things rather than a very different approach to every time we gather together. And when we say we are charismatic, we mean we want to be open to what God wants to do in the moment. We want to be open to what God wants to do this morning, regardless of what traditions we have set or anything else. I've come across many people down through the years who have arrived at the doors of Emmanuel, which are going way back, longer than many of you were born. It gets more depressing as the years go on, you know. You know, I could say how many people... No, I won't go into how, you, how young you are. But down through the years, people have arrived at the door of Emmanuel and said, oh, we are charismatic, you know. And that works fine until the spirit starts to move. And then suddenly you find that those people who were charismatic, you know, decide they are not charismatic in that way. And I'll tell you why. Because the spirit has done something that either that person does not understand or doesn't like. And what we tend to do is we tend to put uh, barriers, uh, uh, restrictions around what the Spirit can do. And the Spirit is only allowed to do what we are comfortable with. That's not where we want to be as a church. So when the word came and really challenged me last, uh, last weekend, last Saturday, um, I really had to take that on board and... I'm so thankful to that person for bringing the challenge. Mm. (laughs) Because again, it is so easy to get stuck in a rut rather than be prompted and move according to what God wants us to do. When we say we are spirit-led or spirit-filled and spirit-led, we're giving the Holy Spirit permission to come and invade our plans, disrupt our comfortable lives, turn things upside down. And so today, what I'm going to share is very much prompted by the Spirit. Not all of you will be on board with the journey we are going on. That's absolutely fine. We don't want anyone 
to feel manipulated. We want you to feel free to develop and be the person God wants you to be, possibly within this community. But this morning is all to do with vision. What God has said, where God is leading us. And you all know the very uh, well-known Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, that's the authorized version. And I was so disappointed when looking at some of the more modern versions. That's not what it says. But when you get behind what this is, where there is no vision, the people decay. Where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander away. And there's one, without prophetic vision, people run wild. Oh, aren't they great, really? Absolutely. But what it's telling us is that vision, prophetic vision, needs to lie at the heart of any community of God's people in order for us to pursue what God has given us. Where there is no vision, the people decay. And I think that is so, so true when we look at communities of faith across this nation, where we look at other churches that are in decline, there is a total lack of vision. The only vision some Christians have is one of decline, one of decay, and ultimately we close the doors. Brothers and sisters, we need to keep on the cutting edge of the vision that God has got for us, because we never want to look back and say, oh, I remember those days. What we want to do is press in to what God has got for us. And you know, God is a God of increase. Don't we believe that? And sometimes everything... Well, I'm going to, that's the second part of the sermon. Sorry. Jumping ahead there. Getting excited. But, but we need to stand at the cutting edge of what God has said. To press in. Because the God of increase wants to fill the entire world with a people like Jesus. And guess what? You're one of them. Now, some of you look as miserable as sin this morning. You know, people want God wants to fill the world with the people like Jesus, and it's you. Oh, dear. Why not become a Christian and be as miserable as I am? You know, that's the good news that we share with the world. But when we look at Scripture, there is that, that increase built in to the people of God. And so if the people of God are in decline, it's because they've wandered away from the vision and the truth that God has got and got lost into all sorts of other things. So when it says that where there is no vision, the people perish. I believe that is the end result of not having a vision as the people of God. Where there is no vision, the people declare. I believe that is the end result of what happens when we do not have a vision that God has given to us for our community. So vision is essential. And vision is the prophetic call of the people of God, upon the people of God to move where, from where they are to where God wants them to be. And we are on that journey, brothers and sisters, even today as we gather together. And as we pursue the vision that God has given to us, as we reach that point, perhaps where that part of that vision is fulfilled, what you find is God simply reveals another step in the vision. Because we can never outvision God. God's vision is always bigger than anything we have. But sometimes he doesn't reveal the whole thing to us at once. Otherwise, we'll blow us apart. God takes us on step by step by step into the fullness of all that he's got for us. Because God wants us to remain pioneers and not settlers. 
Now, how many people would prefer to be a settler? Come, don't give me that. There's only two or three people put their hands up. That's rubbish. There is that thing within us which I think naturally tends, tends towards wanting to settle. And that's all right as long as it only lasts a moment. Seriously. I think sometimes we get to that point where we say, oh, I just want to settle. And God says, yeah, fair enough. But if you stay in that point, you're on this decline. Whereas I believe that what happens is for the people of God who are spirit-filled and led, I'm going to get that in as often as I can. For the people who are spirit-filled and led, there's a sense I might want to step back momentarily. But it's almost as if I step back to take a breath in order to pursue the next step of the vision that God has given us. Because what you do find is this. When you take that step back and you allow things just to go on, it is the most boring place in the world to be. Because there's not a lot happening in that. God wants us to be on the front edge. The early church was not a boring place to be. But today, as we gather here this morning, we are not a people who are wandering around without the prophetic vision of God. Praise God, He has spoken. And it's our responsibility to follow into all that God has got for us. So as we consider what God has got for us, God has given us a vision uh, for Emmanuel, and as an eldership, we are totally committed to this. Aren't we, John? Aren't we, Keith? And even Ian, as he's sunning himself, would, would agree totally. But we are totally convinced that John, uh, God has spoken to us. And John has spoken to us. And, you know, sometimes we get the two mixed up. But God has spoken to us about where we are to press into. And it's all about a community of people who are passionate in worship, seeking to glorify Jesus, representing Jesus out there in the world, and having an impact wherever they are. But right at the very heart of that is this prophetic call to be a people who are committed in worship, glorifying Jesus, and to see what God will do as we come before him. And we are seeing that vision being worked out among us. We are not just starting, folks. We are seeing that vision being worked out among us. You know, as we look across here each Sunday, we see God is adding to us. And the vision he's given us, to us for 400 and beyond. Now, if you're a visitor, we're sometimes worse than this. They're quite quiet this morning, quite quiet. But when we look at what God has said to us, God has given us a vision for a community of 400 and beyond, and praise God, God is adding to us. We have come strongly out of covid and we're thankful to God for that because you talk to some people, some church leaders, and they don't experience that. It's almost they're still living in the shadow of those two years. Brothers and sisters, we are not living in the shadow of COVID. We are living in the glory of Jesus and the vision to which he has called us. And we are pressing in each and every day and every week to all that God has got for us. And so when we took up our offering back in March, remember we had a month of giving in March. Now, just because March ended doesn't mean you stop giving. Just get that right. But, we, you know, for it, it, with all the turmoil that is going on around us, the people of God in this place gave just over £28,000. And we're very thankful to God for that giving. 
and that's including gift aid. I need to get that in because Jenny will have a go at me afterwards if I don't say that. And so we, we are on this journey with God. We are partway on this journey. And God has much, much more to give to us in these coming days. And when we look at the early church, we see that the early church had a vision and a commission given to them by God. Go into all the world. Go into all the world and I will be with you. He gave them authority to go into all the world. And as we read through the book of Acts, as we read through the New Testament, we see how that vision is being unfolded and step by step they're entering into the fullness of that vision. And we are here today as a result of those early disciples of Jesus being obedient to pursue the vision. We didn't just suddenly just magically appear. We can trace history. Any community of faith can trace history way back to that early church and those obedient disciples who followed Jesus. Can you believe that as we look at the book of Acts? We're here because of what happened in the book of Acts. That's incredible. And God has laid a vision on us for this community. But as the people of God all of those years ago sought to pursue the vision that God had given them, going into all the world, they found themselves in positions that were not of their choosing. They found themselves in circumstances which they did not choose and were not of their own making. And this is a huge challenge for us. And I want to read just two scriptures here. Because the first is from Acts 12. Because it gives us keys about how we should respond when we are in circumstances we did not choose. And brothers and sisters, I apply this to myself. You know, we were singing that great song at the end there. I will put my trust in Jesus. And basically says, you know, when everything's going wrong, I'm still going to trust. Oh, isn't that easier said than done? And we have to help one another. This is what the church is about. So we need to help one another in our walk. So when you feel down, we have people around to pick you up. We pick up one another as we pursue the things of God. Because we all have our off days. So when we read this story of Peter, look for the key to releasing Peter. So Acts 12, Peter's in prison. And it says it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison handing him over to be guarded by four guards of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Now this is the next key, the important key for us. So Peter was kept in prison. We need to get that in our head. He is in prison. And we need to get any idea of sort of nice comfortable prisons with a television in the corner and facilities and all that, you know, all that sort of stuff. These were, were dire, dire places. There was no concern for the welfare of prisoners. You were in there because they, they wanted you to suffer. So Peter is in prison. And it says this of the church, but the church prayed, was earnestly, sorry, was earnestly praying to God for him. So Peter is in these circumstances 
not of his choosing or making. And the response of the church is to pray. And we read on. He was sleeping, bound with two chains. Sentries stood guard at the doors. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and said, Wake up, get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Absolutely fantastic. And I think what actually happens immediately after that just tells us a lot about uh, ourselves as well. So he goes to the house where the people had gathered praying. He knocks on the out entrance. A servant named Rhoda. I just say that because if you're a visitor, we're overrun with Rhoda's. We are overrun with Rhoda's. And he said, Rhoda came and answered the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. Isn't that great? And Peter, it says this, I love this. Peter kept on knocking. Now, can you imagine what's going through Peter's mind here? She said, will you open the door? And they prayed. And Peter comes. And they are able to rejoice together. And in that situation, prayer provided the ground for a miracle to take place. We move on to Paul and Silas in Acts 16. And in Acts 16, verse 16 says, Once when they were going to place a prayer, they were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners and fortune-telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Isn't that incredible? She's, she's following the men of God saying, they're telling you how to be saved. I mean, this is, this is crazy, isn't it? I wonder when we were last followed by someone shouting, they're Christians. <laughs> hmm, moving swiftly on. So it says, Paul became so annoyed, he turned around and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that, that moment, the Spirit left her. And so basically, because this now costs the owners money, Paul and Silas are put into prison. In fact, actually worse than that says they had them uh, stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and a jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 25, the key verse. About midnight. Now remember, so they've been beaten severely. They're in a, a real mess. And again, in a prison which was not a pleasant place to be. And it says, about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Oh, isn't that just our response in times of difficulty? Singing and praying. There's an earthquake. The doors are opened. But they stay there. The miracle has taken place. It says, when the jailer woke up and he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoner has escaped. Paul shouted, don't arm yourself, we're all here. And then the response of the jailer is, well, what should I do to be saved? I mean, absolutely incredible story. But the key to this is that at about midnight, Paul and Silas are singing and praying. They're focusing on God. They're not allowing the circumstances to rob them 
of their relationship with Jesus or of their joy. Paul and Silas are focusing on God and the miracle occurs. So here we have Peter, Paul, Silas, who are in circumstances not of their choosing and they use a very, very powerful spiritual weapon, prayer, in order to release miracles. Because we are not the miracle maker. Jesus is the miracle maker. Jesus is the miracle worker. And as we come, we do not come in our own righteousness. We come in his righteousness. Jesus, we need you to do the miracle. And that is the key from this story. Now, as we look at where we are in Emmanuel at this very moment, we stand in a situation, a position where we are pursuing the God-given vision for us, but we find ourselves in a set of circumstances not of our choosing. And it's all to do with the building across the road, the Emmanuel Center. And we have wrestled with this and wrestled with this for a considerable length of time. There's an issue, for those of you who don't know, I don't want to bore you with the details, but there is an issue with the heating and ventilation system that needs to be resolved before we can move in there. And for me, and I, I just express this as a personal thing, it's almost as if the people, we as the people of God, are being, um, it's almost as if we've been barred in. It's a bit like we, Paul, Silas, and Peter. They're being put in prison, and it's as if we're in prison regarding moving into that building because there's nowhere we can go with it at the moment. Because no matter where we look, there are huge obstacles barring our way. We ought to have been in there year past April. We ought to have been. And here we are, and the reality is, brothers and sisters, at this stage, there is no end in sight of the issues. Throughout the process, we, we followed expert advice. Some of them worked on this building. We're very thankful to God for this building, which serves us so well. And we're looking to God for that building, which will serve us so well. But we find ourselves in a situation with a system that is worse than, worse than useless. But not only that, we could be a £100,000 down. We could be a £100,000 down. Now, if you're a Durham student, that's just one year's fees and pocket money. <laughs> but, you know, when you look at this, this, this is money given by the people of God. And we're facing a situation which is just downright unrighteous. And we need to come against this in prayer. We need to stand together in prayer. We need to knock on the door of heaven and we need to storm the gates of hell in prayer to see a breakthrough and the miracle we need in order to release us from the prison of these circumstances in which we find ourselves. And the God of Peter can do it. The God of Paul and Silas can do it because Jesus is with us. But we need to call upon him as the community of God and cry out to him in unity for that miracle. And, you know, I look at the situation across the road there. And Jenny's done a sterling job as project manager. And I would love to stand here and blame her. I mean, I would be very brave. 
but you know, given hours and hours to finding a way through this. And I just want you to imagine that you, you've bought a brand new shiny people carrier or a, a SUV, four wheel drive job. And you go and pick it up. And you find when you pick it up, they've put an engine in that's the equivalent to a lawnmower engine. And basically what this engine will do, it will make a lot of noise, but it will not take you anywhere. And you complain. And it's almost as if, well, you, you've, got, you've got an engine. Well, thank you, but it's not what we wanted. Well, you didn't say that's what you wanted. And it's almost like batting your head up against a brick wall at every turn with this. And it's almost these bars are holding us in. We need some miracles. And if you're a visitor here, you can stand with us in prayer. We need some miracles, folks, in order to move into the vision that God has given for us. Because ultimately, it is not about a building. Don't think it's particularly about a building. It's about a building that serves the community of God. God is adding to us. And we want nothing to hinder that happening. And we want to move into the vision that God has for us. So I was thinking about, you know, being in prison, what are the bars that we need to pray that will be bent, removed, sewn through with the old hacksaw? However God does it. I don't actually mind how God does it. What will you do it? That's the thing. And I want to think, give you four things that we need to pray for over these coming weeks. And the first is this. And it's very simple. That those responsible for the original design take responsibility. You know, is that unreasonable to expect an expert that you have engaged to do that for which they were paid. It's not unreasonable. And we need to pray that there is a change of heart among those people. And as I was reflecting on it, I just thought, the, the, there are three men involved in this. It's got to be a man, hasn't it? <laughs> there are three men, all with wonderful biblical names. There's a James... There's a Stephen and a Paul. You think, what's that about? <laughs> Why couldn't I have some non-biblical names? But they've all got biblical names. We pray for, the, for them that they take responsibility for what they've done. Out of that, we need to pray that there is a financial settlement that does not require us going to court. That as these men take responsibility, they are then in a position to do whatever it needs to do in order that they will cover the costs and we won't be £100,000 down. The third thing, that other finances are available in order to, that we might develop other parts of the building. Now, this is not a plea for money, but if you're sitting there with your checkbook and you want to rush to the front, now is the time to do it. Now is the time to do it. <laughs> no, folks, this is not a plea for money. It's all to do with heart. It's all to do with whether we are together in heart as we pursue the vision that God has given to us. And fourthly, that we can get a new system installed so that we can move into the Emmanuel Center, a major step on the road to the fulfillment of the vision that God has given us. So there are those four things 
for us to pray into. Pray that righteousness will prevail. That we might move on in all that God has got. You see, it would be, not this week, but in just the last two or three weeks, we have been full. We have been full. We've had nearly 190 adults in here on a Sunday, plus 50, 60 children. We're full. We don't want anyone to feel they cannot join us because there isn't a seat. It's practical stuff. Very practical stuff. We want people to come and find a physical space where they can have a spiritual encounter. I've just made that up. I quite like that. We want people to come and find a physical space where they can have a spiritual encounter. Well, I could keep going here all day and build on this. But that's the reality. As people come among us, we want them to encounter the living God. We want them to encounter the Holy Spirit. We want them to be transformed from the inside out and live a life for Jesus. Amen. I would like the band to come back, please. Now, I am going to ask for a response, but I want this to be a real response. I don't want this to be a response based on the person sitting next to you. Honestly, this is not what we're after. We talked this through within our elders' gathering. And that'll do. (laughs) We don't want anyone to feel manipulated into anything. So, can you just, wherever you are, just close your eyes. Because this is, this is important for us as we move forward into all that God has got for us. And it may be this morning, as you're here this morning, you're not sold on the vision for the Emmanuel Centre. Because I do know there are some among us who aren't. Ultimately, that is not my problem. Is, but there are many who are. And as we commit ourselves this morning, and again, this can be, you might be a visitor, you can commit and pray. But as you commit to the pursuing of this vision, in a moment, I'm going to ask you just to stand. And this is you and God. Feel, please, don't stand if that is not where your heart is. James, can we twiddle? Technical term. God has given us that vision for a building much bigger than this, filled with a community lost in passionate praise and worship of Jesus. He's given us a vision of a community much bigger than this, where miracles occur because the Holy Spirit is powerfully present. He's given us a vision of a community much bigger than this, which is being added to day by day 
by people who are coming to know Jesus for themselves and walking with him. He's given us a vision for where his presence rests heavily and no one, no one can ignore it. Even the skeptics can't ignore it because the power of God is so heavily present in the room. That's the vision. God has given Emmanuel. And if you are with us in that vision and are prepared to make a covenant to pray through that vision day by day, then in a moment I'm going to ask people to stand. We're not organizing a great range of prayer meetings. We're not going to add to the program. What we're calling upon is for people to give themselves to prayer in their daily prayers. And you work out what that means for you. But that day by day, you have arrow prayers to God, calling upon Him to break these bars that are holding us in. That as you gather in your Emmanuel communities, some time is given to pray through and break these bars that are holding us in. For the vision is great and will only be achieved by the power of God. If you're able to commit yourself to that covenant of prayer in pursuit of the vision, now is the time to stand. And please, if you're not, don't do it. This is between you and God. could I can I just ask you to sit down again please I've done that because I haven't seen who stood up because I don't want that to influence me in the future I don't want to be too nice to some people. Because ultimately, it's where you are with God in this. I feel such a sense of release not having looked. Because I know what I'm like. (laughs) Oh, yes. But now, we're going to respond as a community. I'd like us all to stand as we praise God for what he's done what he is going to do 
And let's lay hold of him for those bars to be broken, for the chains to be broken in the name of Jesus, that we might walk free into all that he has 